Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Better Rivals podcast. This will be our fourth season of hockey. This is episode 102. Uh, I am your host, Avery Roush. This is co-host Catano Gallo, and we were powered uh, by 91N, name change to to take note of there, uh, from TGM to 91N. We are also joined today by my lovely dog, who's probably going to sleep the whole time. His name's Blitz. Uh, but yeah, he'll he'll be in the background there if you're watching. Uh, you will not hear him if if you are listening. Anyway, let's get right to it. We got lots to talk about today. We didn't do any episodes throughout the offseason because we were both very busy, but we are here to talk about it all now. Let's get started. So do you want to start, Leafs? We'll just we'll just start right off the hop with what uh, some of the offseason changes that happened in Toronto. Yeah, well, uh, let's get started with saying it's good to be back, Abe. It's, it's been good to be back. <laughs> it's yeah, I, I've been waiting a long time for this, and I'm I'm very much looking forward to getting right back into it. So let's right, get start in Toronto. Yeah, let's start in Toronto. Start. Um, we I don't believe actually got to cover the whole Dubis exit saga. Not all. really. I think uh, in the draft uh, reaction, we kind of got to talk about it a little bit, just because that was Charles first kind of moments in charge. But uh, yeah. We didn't really get to talk a lot about it. Yeah, well, it's been a weird, weird offseason in the National Hockey League. I don't know exactly what, like, Dubas is now a Pittsburgh Penguin. I don't remember if we got to talk about that. No, I don't think he had, uh, not on an episode. I think it would have just maybe been mentioned in the draft reaction. Okay, so it, uh, it was an ugly exit. He said he wasn't leaving. He said that he wouldn't be anywhere but Toronto. And then two weeks later, he was in Pittsburgh. It was... It was a complete mess on from the Leafs, from from Dubas. He lied. They lied. It's just it's a it's a whole mess. But we're just gonna whatever. Brad Treleving is is the general manager now. It is what it is. Uh, he made some offseason moves, right? So he uh, brought in John Klingberg on the back end. He there's some players that obviously we lost. We lost Michael Bunting. Um, can't even think of it. Justin Hole's gone. Um, yeah, there there was there was some definite turnover, uh, but the, we'll talk about the guys coming in because that's what really matters. Now we we brought in John Klingberg on the back end. The first signing they made was Ryan Reeves, which I sure I guess. Um, but then there were two big ones that I think everybody can agree are going to change at least the um, how do you say it? They they're going to add some sandpaper to the to the locker room. They're going to add some character to the locker room. It's not going to be as bland with guys like Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi involved, right? Those are a couple of guys with big personalities. And so is Revo, but he's just, he can't play hockey. So, like... <laughs> yeah, well, at, least, why, at least with Domi and Bertuzzi, you're, you, you're actually going to get some actual hockey out of them. Yes, you're going to get guys who, who can actually contribute offensively to this hockey team and aren't just going to be a goon. Like, that's what Ryan Reeves is. He's a goon. He's, he's not going to play in the playoffs. He cannot take a roster spot up in the playoffs. The only thing, the only reason he would come in is if somebody did something absolutely egregious and they needed to have their head punched in. That would be the only reason that Ryan Reeves would play in the playoffs. I think everybody in Leafland understands that, which is kind of why giving him like over a million dollars was crazy, but whatever. And isn't it like two years or three years? Yeah, it's, it is. It is. Um, that obviously means there was a market for him, but I just don't know why we had to be a part of it at that price like but whatever we'll see what happens there it might be a great thing who knows i i can't see it but it might um but let's talk about the other one so john klingberg is 
is going to be the power play one quarterback. At least that's what's happening at the start of training camp, which is displacing Morgan Riley from being the power play one quarterback. Interesting move. I think Klingberg's upside offensively, like a couple years ago when he was in Dallas, maybe more than a couple now, but he was one of the best in the league in terms of offensive oh. defense, right? Like he, he was, and he knows the coaching staff knows management knows he's going to need some work defensively. He's not a great defensive player. He just isn't never has been. He's, he's been that offensive Swedish guy. Like think, you know, think of all the great offensive, uh, Swedish Eric defense, Carlson. Eric Carlson, uh, Lidstrom was obviously elite defensively, but another elite Swedish defenseman in, in terms of offense. That's what we're getting here. Maybe an older version of that. He was not that great last year on the Anaheim Ducks, but that's because he was playing for the Anaheim Ducks, who was just yeah, an awful <laughs> right? Like, he's going to look yeah. a lot different on arguably one of the best teams in the league, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Yeah, you'd I think hope anyways. You, you would think. We can agree that that's, that's likely going to, like, his numbers from last year are likely not going to be replicated this year. He's going to improve them. Yeah. Right? Um, so that's that's really all they did for additions on the back end. But let's talk about the Bertuzzi and uh, and and Max Domi edition. So I'd like to hear your opinion on the Max Domi edition because you've watched him play before. You you've watched him play for the Montreal Canadiens before. So I want to hear what you have to say here. Yeah, I think um, I think he's an interesting signing. Uh, you know, you're going to get energy from him. That's like the key thing. And I think that's something the Leafs could probably use up front. Um, you know, not to shit on their guys but you know other than bunting they kind of don't have that like energy out of the guy who's just going to run around and hit everything that moves and also chip in a bit offensively obviously in montreal it didn't work out uh, quite as much he didn't put up the, the numbers we were kind of hoping from him but we were also playing him as uh, as our one c and i think if you can bump him out to the wing have him playing off you know a matthews or a Nylander or john Tavares or someone i think you might see a little more uh, but I also think that he's the type of player that thrives in like under pressure in big situations. Like when you saw him play junior in London, he was one of the best players in the league. Always lit it up for Canada for juniors. Then he went to Arizona where they have like six fans and it didn't really pan out. And then, you know, came from Montreal and was like pretty good for us. So he wasn't, he didn't light the world on fire, but he was not terrible. Uh, and then ended up in Columbus and it kind of fizzled out there. And then he's been kind of bumping around in like smaller markets. So I'm hoping... For, for your sake, anyways, not uh, when he plays the Habs. But I'm hoping for for your sake that, like, the pressure of the Toronto market's going to kind of light that fire in him, and he's going to kind of take off. So I think what's important to think about with Max Domi, you're right. He does bring the fire. He does bring the energy. He's not his dad, and people need to realize yeah. that. Because I think that's an issue that that's, that's going to plague him from the start. People are going to expect him to come in here, especially casuals are going to come in here and expect him to be exactly what his dad was, and he's just not. He, he doesn't fight that often. He does. He's chippy, but he's boy, he, he's been one of the bottom of the barrel in terms of hits for forwards for almost his entire career. He, he's not a big hitter. He's not going to lay guys out. He's chippy. He brings energy. He chips in offensively. Those are all things that we need. And that's, to me, what a modern agitator, modern tough guy should be. Maybe a yeah, little but... more action with the body I'd like to see, and he'll probably have that opportunity this year because I don't know where he's going to fit into the lineup. He might fit into a checking role more than anywhere else. So that might be that might be what he has to do. And, you know, he's got quick feet. I think that's important oh, yeah. in terms of what, what we want from him is we want him in on four checks. Like, that's going to be Max Stone. That should be exactly what Sheldon Keefe tells him right now. 
your I don't care how many goals you score. I don't care how many assists you get. I don't care how many power play minutes you get. What I care about is how many pucks you can turn over behind the other team's goal line. That's what I want. That's what I want from you, Max Domi. And let's let's segue this into the William Nylander center argument. Because that's what has transpired here over the first few first few days of training camp, first week of training camp. It's been a shift of William Nylander over to center on the third line instead of playing the second line wing with John Tavares. And he has Max Domi and Callie Yarncroke on his wings. And even if you listen to Max Domi talk during his press conferences after, after practice and stuff like that through training camp here, he said, my job is to... William Nylander can get to open spaces. My job is to get him the puck in those open spaces. And if that's the mentality that he's coming into the year with, I think that's fantastic. I think that's exactly the mentality he should have because I don't think he's, we're, we're going to talk about this a little more later. We had a little precursor discussion. I'm not sure if he'll be a top line or even a second line guy. And it's not because he's not good enough for that. It's because I think they want to make the lineup a little more even throughout. And that's part of moving Nylander to center, which by the way, I'm I'm conflicted on. I'm not sure if I love the Nylander to center move. I, I think he has all of the skills in order to make it work. I think he's a good enough good enough skater. It's just the consistency. And we've talked about this with William Nylander for years. For years. It's been the only knock on the guy. When he is playing at his best, he's one of the best players in the National Hockey League. When he is on top of his game, he is a top 10, top 15, whatever you want to say, player in the league. But he's not always that guy, Right. And that's the issue. And you need a guy who's always going to be consistent when you have him up the middle, right? And the two lines, like, so the first line in training camp right now is Nylander, or not Nylander, sorry, Marner, Matthews, and Bertuzzi. Second line is Lafferty, Tavares, and uh, Nice right now. And then the third line is Nylander, Yarn Croak, Domi. A lot of people are making the argument that that third line is probably your second line, right? Yeah. I I, I don't, and, and I think a big reason for that, I love Sam Lafferty. I love what he did for the team last year coming in from Chicago. Not but he is player. not a second line. <laughs> yeah. He's not a second line forward in the National Hockey League. He's just not, yeah. right? Like, he's a bona fide third, fourth liner, bottom bottom six guy. Like, he can't. I, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's no. absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's no, just... especially he doesn't make a ton of money. I think it's, like, yeah. it's, it's a great role for him. But, like... He's not a second line winger, man. Like, I'm sorry. You can't take Nylander off that wing, put Sam Lafferty there, and expect the bars to be anything close to what his potential can be, right? Like, yeah. come on. Come on. That's like LeBron back when he was trying to win championships with the Cavaliers before he went to Miami. You just, it's LeBron and four guys that you've never heard. Like, you can't do that. It's the same concept here, right? Yeah. You're, you're yeah. placing the Lambo on his wing with a Prius. Yeah. It's, you just can't do it. You just can't do it. Exactly. So that's that's kind of how training camp's gone so far. I'm I'm intrigued. I I don't know if Nylander's going to be the third line center on December thirteenth this year, but I think he's going to start there. You know, and it's oh, yeah. it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I I'm looking forward to it. I just hope he can be consistent because that's what we need out of him if he's going to play center. We need consistency. So. That's all I got for, for Leafs training camp to this point. Um, can I ask about the Matt Murray situation? Yeah, sure. What's your question? Um, 
So what do you, how, how do you see this coming out? Like resolve it? Cause he's got a long, it's a long-term injury now, right? Yeah. Robidaw Island, dude. Yeah, that's it. Done, done. He'll never, he'll never play an NHL game again. Never. And then you'll run Samsonov and um, Joseph Wool. That's yeah. yeah, that's that's right. what's happening. Uh, and Samsonov, Samsonov's net to lose, but I I have all the faith in Joseph Wool that he can come in and and if Samsonov gets hurt, because that's the thing about Samsonov, he's been hurt a lot throughout his career, and he was last year, uh, his first year in the blue and white. So I think Wool can fill those shoes though if he has to. So we're good there. Any other questions? No, I, th I think that's everything in terms of Leafs that I can think of. Yeah. Uh, if I can add one last thing, I think we can yeah. all agree. We wish that we would have done more defensively in the offseason. Um, and this is the same argument that when people say we should have signed a defenseman instead of John Tavares when we did. What defenseman? <laughs> you go back there and find me a defenseman worth $11 million that you would have paid at that time. When you had when we had that cap space, I'm dead serious. Like seriously, find me one, because you. It's very easy to say you should have signed a defenseman. Find me one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Same situation here. Like we we had money to give out a little bit, not too much, a little bit of money to to spend on on new players. Who are we gonna sign defensively? Find me a guy. Right. I mean, like I'm looking at your the, the seven you've got on the roster right now: Riley, Brody, Klingberg, McCabe, Lilligren, Timmins, Giordano. Like that's a pretty good seven like not gonna lie it's not like the best in the league but it's like nowhere near the worst no but want to know and i get it what 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 the critics will say is where's the six five 240 pounder that you're going to use to close out space in april in the playoffs yeah but that's the guy you, that's the guy you pick up at the deadline <laughs> that's kind of i think what tree living is thinking yeah. Right. Is that there was nobody like that available. Uh, I wasn't going to overpay Luke Shen. I'll tell you that. Yep. That's I, I'm speaking from Trelliving's point of view. I wasn't going to overpay him. Um, he's he's he was so good in the playoffs last year for us, though. Like, oh, my God, he was oh, yeah. just but, a mean, brick ball. But he's older, man. And like he's been playing on league men for years. You're not going to go give this guy a two million dollar contract. Like, I believe it was Nashville did. Yeah. And that's it. Like, he's got that offer. Like, like he's obviously gonna take it like yeah yes but yeah no yeah. i think i think that's like a really not terrible seven to at least like for the through the start of the season here like obviously you're gonna need a couple more bodies in there come you know come the spring but like it's a great if, regular if you, if, yeah like if you, if you just pitch that seven as a, as a decor like i don't think many gms in the league are gonna say no to that yeah, no, I, I, I hear that. and it, But you are missing that still. And you can look back at all of the all of the Stanley Cup winners for the past, like, 10 years, and almost every single one of them has that Norris-caliber defenseman, too. And that's not depth. Like, that's not what I'm talking about could have happened in the offseason. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. Morgan Riley isn't that guy. He's a very, very good defenseman. Very, very good, right? Yeah. We've always talked about him being, like, he's on, like, the next tier below all the Norris guys. Exactly, right? So, like, we're talking, like, Vegas, Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, Tampa, Stamkos, or not Stamkos, Hedman, and Sergachev. Like, those are those are elite defenders. Makar. Uh, Makar and Devon Taves, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the only argument you can make, maybe, is Pittsburgh went a couple of years and they used, like, 
30 defensemen or something. And yes, they have Chris Letang, but I don't know if I put him in the same tier as guys like Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, Gail McCarr, Devontae. I think at, the, at that time you would have. At that time he was definitely in that. He's not a shutdown guy though, right? Like that's the thing about all those other guys that I'm talking about is they're all shutdown Norris caliber defensemen. You need, like if there's a minute and a half left in a game, they're out there, no questions asked, right? I don't know if Chris Letang's that guy. I just don't. He's a great power play guy. He can move the puck well. He skates well, but he's not a big 6'5", 240 lanky guy who you can't, like just stops everything. It's not not Shea Weber and Ben Sherrod and Edmondson and Petrie. Like I I guess, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. And that's, that's, that's what worries me is that, and and we know that because of the way the game is officiated in the playoffs, there is no space, no space in the playoffs. And you need those guys to take space away from other teams because all the other teams have guys that take space away from your best players. And that's why we see guys like Mitch Marner struggle in the playoffs is because he operates with space. Right. But like, again, to your point, like who, who find that guy? Who 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 were those guys this offseason? It was Luke That's, Shen, who you weren't gonna pay two million. Oh, and he's not a, and he's not the Norris guy either. He's no. just a big guy, right? Who hits like yeah. That's, that's really, it. There's, really there's nobody. There's nobody that fits both of those categories that was that's available basically at any point anymore. <laughs> exactly. It's you know there's only like maybe ten of them in the league, man. Like and there's only some teams that are competing. At this point, if you want that guy, you need to draft that guy. Like you're you're not getting you're not signing that guy in free agency you're not trading for him, like you have to draft that guy. Yeah, unless you're Vegas and you just get Shea Theodore from a fucking expansion draft and then trade oh. for a sign Petrangelo like it's nothing. Like then you can just yeah and just forget like who what even is a cap. But yeah, yeah. yeah no, I think uh, yeah I I think that's a really good decor. Only running around twenty two million in cap, but for that whole group is like also he's not terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear you. I hear you. All right, let's get to Montreal training camp. Let's yeah, talk so, about that. <laughs> well, let's let's pick up where we left off last year. Uh, Christian Dvorak is out till November with a knee injury. <laughs> um, love that. Just it's uh, just a great start. Going that's like that's the one thing the Habs wanted from this year. Like above anything else, it's just like health. Like, just we don't need to be missing 10, 15 guys and we start the season with one out. It's only Christian Dvorak. I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest, um, maybe biggest is the wrong word, but one of the most uh, interesting storylines coming out of Montreal is Logan Mayu uh, being cleared by the league uh, to play in either the NHL or the AHL. Um, the official announcement hasn't come out yet, but he's... So the last couple of seasons, he hasn't been allowed to be part of rookie camp or like any of the scrimmaging and training stuff because he was, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? He wasn't suspended. It was just, uh, anyways, he wasn't allowed to fucking play. He wasn't allowed to do anything. With <laughs> like right, rightfully. How do, we, how do we put this here? Yeah, like rightfully so. Like he was not allowed to be a part of anything. He was allowed to do like his like medical testing and basically that's it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he has received the green light to play. Um, what I would like to see is when the official announcement comes out, like the league does have to do this, but I think the Hab should, is they need to like outline exactly what like steps he's taken and what amends he's made to like attempt to be this better person that they're saying that he is. Like, I don't know, like legally how much I can say, like you worked with like this doctor or that therapist or like 
but like they need to be like this is what he's done this is what he's going to continue to do and like i think that's that's kind of the best way to approach it it's a shitty situation regardless yeah no and it's it's one of those situations that like it's it's really really touchy to talk about right yeah i'm like i'm I'm having to choose my words like super carefully i've been like really trying to like get this right because i want to get this right i want to make sure that i get how i feel right because like i've said a million times in the podcast since we drafted them like if he sneezes in the wrong room his career should be over at this point like he is walking the thinnest 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 line yeah i think if the habs go out and say like this is exactly what he's done this 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 that and this is what he's going to continue to do like this that this that that's the best case for everyone because he's kind of he's outwardly proving that he's trying to be a better human being uh you know and it kind of gives him that i don't want to call it leeway but it kind of gives him a bit of breathing space to be like okay like it's, it's publicly like this is what i'm doing it's not like just I like I I, just, I really hope the Habs don't like keep it private. I really hope they fucking out like talk about it out loud and kind of help uh, like not squash it, but just like end the stigma of like not talking about things like this. You know what I mean? Because yes. this, this is usually in the hockey community, it's very like hushed up and like quiet. Like this needs to be something that is like publicly talked about and continues to be publicly talked about. Yeah, well, and correct me if I'm wrong, I remember hearing this, I believe it was last training camp, was he not leading, like, sexual misconduct classes for the rest of the team? Yeah, so, uh, apparently, like, so that's something that, like, most teams have been doing for a while now, is just, like, shit like that, like, online, like, safety things, and yeah, and he was, like, one of the guys who was, like, very, like, vocal and, like, contributing and adding to things, which I think was a really good step, it kind of showed, he wasn't, like, shying away from his mistake was owning it and saying like, yeah, like this is what happens if you don't, you know, you know, if you're an idiot, this is what's going to happen. Uh, I know he was also uh, living with uh, Nick Suzuki. I know it was last uh, like uh, training camp and preseason cycle. Like Suzuki brought him in. I don't know if he brought him in this year, but I also think that's good because, you know, uh, not just is Nick Suzuki our captain, but he's also like a really young captain. Whereas, you know, uh, I'm not going to, and I'm, I don't mean this as shots towards like older players, but there might've been that culture of, oh, like, you know, whatever, you just got caught with like the older group. Whereas this younger generation, there's actually just a lot more like accountability and responsibility. So Isn't I think that, that, that <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And I like, it like sucks that that's the reality, but it just, it just kind of is, you know it what is. I mean? Yep. So yeah, I think, he is so far taken all of the right steps to, you know, I don't want to call it redemption, but to kind of like back to normalcy. Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of hope that it continues. And I like, I don't care for the hockey end. Like if he, if he's a career AHLer or a career bottom six guy, whatever, like that's not what I'm worried about here. Like that's the last of my things, you know, whether he may even makes the team this season, whether he gets, you know, maybe starts in the AHL gets called up, like couldn't care less at this point in regards to him. Just like, be a better human. I yes. Do you think that uh, your current GM Kent Hughes uh, looks at looks at this draft pick that Bergevin made, however many years ago now? What was it? Three years ago? Four years ago? Uh, it been two, three years ago. Yeah, it was the twenty twenty one draft. And just goes, why the fuck is this my problem? 
like why why even make that draft pick at that time especially after buddy said he did he literally did not want any team to pick him and then and then they take him in the first round like what like can we agree can we I, I, you used to be a Bergevin defender here. Can we agree that Bergevin just doesn't... Like, he had no clue. Like, he had no clue. Look, I, like I said at the time, I didn't like the pick. Like, I was very vocal about that. Um, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you who the fuck else. Like, we could have drafted uh, at that point instead. You know what I mean? Like, at the time, I could have. I, now I can't. But now it's one of those things, like... Like what? Like you can't you can't go back in time and like fix it. You can't, can't go back. Why even like, like why even oh, open the can of worms, I, man? Like it's just unbelievable. That guy should not work in the league. Like what? What are you thinking? I, making that pick? We'll go, we'll I, talk about another guy who we have no idea what they were thinking in a little bit here. A uh, little precursor. I'm sure you know who you're talking about if you follow hockey at all. You know who I'm talking about. But anyway, continue. No, I I just think yeah I I I, I didn't like the pick when it happened. We have him now, so like, and I actually I really like the fact that we have like Hughes and Gorton in there now because they, it, it, it was a fresh like it's not it's not their issue right it's an issue they've inherited, so yes. they kind of come at it with you know fresh perspective, fresh eyes, no uh, no ties to any of it really, so I think that I think it's a good thing for everyone, including for for Logan Mayu that you know fresh set of eyes, like two fresh sets of eyes technically. But yeah, like I, I wouldn't have made that pick if we if we go back to that draft. Like I, and still I would not have made that pick. And maybe in 10, 15 years, if if like on the off chance that he turns out to be a very good hockey player, then we'll make we'll maybe look at it a little differently. But like I, at this point, uh, you know, in September of twenty twenty three, what just over two years after he was drafted, no, I would not have made that pick. I would have picked literally anyone else. But you know, it is what it is. All right, while we're on the subject of maybe some things that shouldn't have been done, let's talk about Mike Babcock. That's that's what I was giving you the teaser about if you couldn't figure that out earlier. So let's talk about him. Let's talk about this guy not even making it to training camp in Columbus. He couldn't 70, even... 79 days, Avery. He lasted 79 days. We did, like, he, our off-season, the Bitter Rivals off-season lasted longer than he did in Columbus. I don't even have words for what this guy possibly could have been thinking doing what he did. If you don't know what he did, uh, I don't think there's too many confirmed stories. But the gist of it is this guy went through all of his players' phones and their photographs. And some reports are saying that he even had them airplay those, or he airplayed the photographs to the TV in his office and then swiped through these guys' pictures in front of them through it like it's one of the so a <laughs> couple of the players more senior players on the team uh leadership group boone jenner johnny group goudreau came out and said they had no issue with this they thought it was an okay way to to build camaraderie between them and their coach well some of the well, younger players originally the full story hadn't broke and it was like the the first bit of the story that came out was that he he was like he was asking players to like look at pictures in their phone right yes and then the gujo and jenner things came out where i was like yeah he, we were talking about we were showing pictures of our families and friends and at first i was like oh like that's like this is getting blown out of proportion this is you know i thought that was a really smart way to kind of break that ice and get to know the guys and then it kind of all went to shit 
as well it evolved into an it evolved into an NHLPA investigation, as the NHLPA yeah. should have done, was investigated this. I believe it was actually Ron Hainsey uh, and the new director <laughs> of the NHLPA. I forget his name. But they are the ones who went down to Columbus, went out to Ohio, what a dump, by the way, and just like conducted their, their investigation. And that's when they learned that some of the younger players on the team, because remember, Columbus is a very, very young team, right? Yeah. Like That's why yeah. I was kind of curious as to why they would bring a guy like Babcock in anyway. Like He's not... Babcock is not conducive to a young team, no. especially a young, bad team, right? Like, <laughs> anyway, but some of the play- the younger players were were very, very uncomfortable when Mike Babcock asked to do the things that he asked to do. And again, we don't know exactly what happened. Another story I heard, though, and this one killed me. This one killed me. He go- He invited one of the younger players over for lunch, sat him down, took his phone, Rifled through his pictures. This is at Babcock's house in Columbus, by the way. Rifles through his pictures. Doesn't say anything. Gives the kid his phone back and sends him on his merry way without lunch. He didn't feed him. <laughs> he invited like, him over for lunch and didn't give him lunch. He just violated his privacy. Like, like we're like we're we're, we're laughing not because it happened, but because it's just so ridiculous. By it's the way. Like, so we're not... insane. Like it doesn't yeah. even. What are you thinking, dude? Like you can't be thinking. You can't be thinking. And it. Here's what, honestly, I think, here's why this happened. For me, this is why this happened. Babcock did not sign that deal. And, like, literally he signed that deal the day, like, the day after that last check from MLS he hit. After that last check from MLS he hit, he said, yeah, I'm going to sign in Columbus. And he got paid the whole time, right? So why the fuck does Mike Babcock think he has to change? He's thinking Columbus wants Mike Babcock, not this new version of Mike Babcock. And want to know why they think that? Because he didn't go and do rehabilitation. He didn't go learn how to treat people. He sat in his fucking cabin. He coached a team, a high school or university team in Saskatchewan. He did nothing to change the person that he is because he's a he's a shitty guy. I think everybody can agree Mike Babcock is a shitty guy. Anybody that's ever had anything to do with him will tell you that. He's a shitty guy. And he didn't do anything to change. So why, after doing nothing to change, and they come calling Columbus, asking him to come coach their team, why would he think that they want anything other than the Mike Babcock that has always been, right? They thought that they, he thought that they wanted that Mike Babcock, the guy who's going to come in, make everybody uncomfortable. And that's exactly what he did. This was all a power play. It was not trying to get to know people. It wasn't trying to trying to get to know the names of their family members and where they grew up and their friends. It was trying to find a fucking tick, dick pic or some titty pics in those phones and trying to hold something over these guys. That's exactly what it was. It was a power play and nothing more. And if anybody thinks anything other than that, they should really reevaluate who Mike Babcock is. Because that's who he is. And that's who he's always been. Talk to the players that have played for him. Talk to Mitch Marner. Talk to Johan Franzen. Talk to them. Ask them. They'll tell you. The guy's an asshole. Rant over. Yeah, no. It was uh, just to kind of round it out. Uh, Obviously, he resigned. um, And Columbus is uh, kind of being shit. Uh, uh, I think they're still getting investigated. I think uh, it's still going on, or is it? I'm sorry, that Yarmo Kekalainen, as as he, I've heard nothing but praise from around the league, from from insiders like Dreger and and Bob McKenzie. They love this guy, right? He's got to go too, right? You hired Mike Babcock to coach a bunch of 18 year olds. What are you thinking, 
Like, seriously. As much as I understand, I don't think that in itself is the fireable offense. Like, I think I think as long as Babcock's gone, that's kind of the 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 big one out of there. But now every decision Yarmo Kakalainen makes for at least the short term, like short, like next couple of years, like is going to have like major, major scrutiny on it. Does it doesn't matter what the guy's name is. If you bring a, in a coach and he doesn't make it to training camp, you failed. You failed. He failed too, but you failed. And then you that is it's Mike Babcock. It, now let's talk about the name. It was Mike Babcock. You brought in Mike Babcock, and he couldn't even make it. The tra- he couldn't help himself. He couldn't even make it to training camp without doing something absolutely absurd like that. You knew that's the kind of guy he was. Everybody knows that. You brought him in. You should be out too. That's your call, Yarmo. Sorry, you're out. If I own that, t- you're out, man. That was one of the worst decisions that you could have made in that particular situation, and you made it. I don't know, man. He's got to go. Like, that's that's insane. <laughs> Hiring him is insane, especially knowing that he has done nothing. He hasn't gone to therapy, n- nothing, nothing to make himself a better guy. He sat back collecting MLSE checks. That's what he did the whole time that he was away from the NHL. So, I don't know. Well, like, I don't know. I For me, you got to get rid of that guy because that was, the, like... I, if you're those 18-year-old kids who are made uncomfortable, you don't want to play for that asshole anymore. You brought in that guy? Really? If you're Adam Fantilli, you brought in that guy? If you're Andre, Kuz- or no, what's the kid's name? The Russian kid that scored like 30 goals for them last year. You know who I'm um, talking about. Mar- Marchenko. Marchenko. You, if you're him, you're like, what do you, what? What? If you're, who's the other one they got there? Also the Sillinger and uh, World Junior Hero Team Canada. I, I'm I'm bad with names right now for some reason. Uh, Kent, Kent, Kent Johnson. Johnson. Like, if you're any of those guys, those guys have bright futures in the NHL, and you're gonna put my development in the hands of Mike Babcock, the same guy who sat Jason Spezza on opening night in his first game as a Leaf after that guy had his entire family in the building just to be a dick because he didn't know the penalty kill yet. Fuck you, Babs. Like, come on, man. Sorry, I get heated talking about Mike Babcock. If you can't I know, tell. I know. You, 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 you hate him. I know. I hate that guy. Like, I hate that guy. He is one of the most despicable human beings on earth. Like, just a bad guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just a bad guy. Bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Um... Do you want to do some fill in the blanks? Let's do some fill in the blanks. I need to take some edge off here. Oh my god! All right. Well, so let, let's start with uh, with an, a, a nice, like, light, easy one. Uh, Montreal Canadiens starting goaltender on opening night will be blank. So, so uh, really, you have two options: is Jake Allen or Sam Montembeau. So, hear me out here. I'll bet you we have opposing viewpoints on this one. I'm going to go Jake Allen, and it's not because I think he's a better goalie. It's not because I think anything other than the fact he's been in the league a very long time, and you know what you're going to get with Jake Allen. And with a young team that, let's be honest, probably isn't going to make the playoffs this year, you want to have that kind of stability in net. You don't want to throw a young guy in there who's just going to get lit up again like he did all last year, and 
just break down all of the confidence that he has. You, I just, it's, it's almost to protect Sam Montembeau that I would put Jake Allen in the net. Fair argument. I, I am going to go with Monty. I think, uh, I think he definitely last season took major steps forward. Uh, you know, to the point where he got a call up to the Canadian national team for the uh, world championships and was a starting goalie as they won. Uh, I think that's uh, that was the world championship there is a really good like starting point for him kind of a building block of maybe taking that next step and again not saying that he's going to be a superstar goalie in the league but like I think that was a really good step towards being like a legit number one in the league and yeah. I think not starting him on opening night would be would kind of be like popping the balloon a little bit so I, I, I think I think Monty starts on opening night. I, and you know what? I don't know if there's too much of a wrong answer there. I think we both make pretty valid points. And in the, if I needed to make an argument for your side, I would say that you want this guy to grow with his teammates too. If yeah. if Montembeau is your future, then you want him to grow with his teammates as well. You want he's him to only... grow with this young core. Yeah, he's only 26. And like, so there you go. If you, if you foresee this guy it. five years down the road being your starter, then yeah, you're probably right. It's it's a good idea to have this guy in there. I just wish that the, you guys had a little bit more to protect him. That's all. Oh, I know. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. That, that decor is still really young, and it is not... Uh, I mean, they've got some experience now. They've got most of these guys had uh, you know, f- full seasons, you know, worth of, of experience now. But yeah, it's still, like, you're really the only senior guys in that back end are Maths and Savard and Chris Weidman, and that's uh, maybe not... Not the best for for this season anyway. I think next in the next couple of years it'll it'll look a lot better. But anyways, especially uh, the tough division, man. Like it's a tough oh, division. I know. I know. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I, we'll 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 do a lot more of the divisions and uh, you know playoffs and all that uh, on next week's episode when we do our full season predictions. But sticking with opening night, the Leafs starting line on opening night will be Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and blank. Okay, so um, there's a few options here. Uh, the two new guys that we brought in are obviously options for Tuzi and, uh, and Domi. Nice is an option. He's a big, strong power forward who, who can win puck battles. Those are, those are three fantastic options, but I think it's going to go to Bertuzzi. I think Bertuzzi is going to get that opportunity. I think he's got the most offensive, prove, not offensive upside. He's got, he's the most proven offensively out of those three, right? Like Nice is a young player. Domi, we know what he is. He's going to score 20. He's, he's a playmaker, but I think adding that First of all, the proven offensive upside, but also that sandpaper to align with Matthews and Marner on it is really going to help them skate around a little taller, if you know what I mean, playing with a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, I also think that's probably what he was brought in for. Like, I, I I like him as a, like, he's a top line forward. That's what he is. Yeah. Nice, I think, is going to be, and maybe even better than just a top line forward, but I, he's not there yet, right? Uh, I, I love Matthew Nyes. That would probably be my second choice. Like I would go Bertuzzi and if it doesn't work out, throw Nyes up there. Um, also, I don't really like Nyes with Tavares, which is kind of throwing me off a little bit, but I still think it's going to be Bertuzzi on opening night. And that's how they, that's how they're running it right now. So we'll see. I, I, yeah. I, I think that's where we'll go. So and it's like almost the exact same argument for me, except the big difference for me is Max Domi's speed. Max Domi is like legitimately fucking rapid. Like he can wheel. And I think if you can mix a bit of sandpaper, a bit of offense, and then add a little bit of speed, like someone who can like actually physically keep up with Matthews and Marner, 
I think that might be the difference for me. And just having seen him play before, you know, like actually watching and like investing time watching him play, I think he would be really, really good uh, playing with those two. Yeah. He's always been a little more pass first, which is great for Matthews, um, but also can finish if a guy like Marner is feeding him. So yeah, I would go Max Domi, but I don't think that there's an overly wrong answer there either. And that's a great problem to have, right? Is three guys oh, yeah. that you probably wheel in and out of that out of that first line left wing spot, right? Like you can have any of those three guys there, and I don't think anybody would be too upset. So right. good problem to have. Let's move on to our third and final fill in the blank, Catano. So we haven't got uh, haven't talked about him a lot, um, and I feel like we're going to talk about him a lot. Yes, uh, Connor Bedard. How many points is he going to score this year? I, I would like a, at least a goals total as well. Okay, so I... This is tough because I could see him scoring 40. I could see him scoring <laughs> 25. It could go either way. I'm going to go somewhere in the middle. My guess for his goal total, I'm going to be very specific here. I'm going to guess he has 33 goals and 70 points. See, I, I like, I have like the same thing where I'm like immediately I want to be like, yeah, he's gonna go forty and put up hundred points. But that Chicago team is so bad. They're like, bad. They but he's just, if he gets so to play with good. Taylor Hall though, like Taylor Hall. Yeah, uh, Taylor Hall's like, uh, yeah, like Taylor Hall's like good, but ah, uh, former heart winner <laughs> Taylor Hall. Ah, uh. I. Yeah, I'm gonna say he's gonna score thirty-seven goals. Knocking at 40. He'll he'll do 37. Okay. You're a little higher than me. And bit. I also think he's gonna maybe put up like 85 points. You think he's gonna be a point a game already first year? I like he's so good. Like I, I can't I can't not say he's gonna do it. You know what I mean? Well, especially watching him throw up a hat trick in his first little scrimmage that he had with the Blackhawks oh. there. And like this the, the the spots that he was scoring from were just unbelievable. Like you want to talk about the Rockstar zone. Man, top titties from the Rockstar zone doesn't get much sicker than that, dude. Does not get much sicker than that. <laughs> like he's just disgusting. His shots unreal. He's probably, you know, as fast, if not faster, than McDavid. The hands you could walk around like six guys in a phone booth. I just, I, I can't see it not working out. I, like barring like a really bad injury or like a really bad injury to Taylor Hall. Like if, if they, if he's surrounded by AHL players, yeah, he's, he's not going to score guys. a lot. Yeah. But like if, if he's got a Taylor Hall on his side, like I still think he's going to light it up. And yeah, like, I, just, I can't, I can't imagine like, if we're talking about like oh like eighty five points is like gonna be like his like worst fucking career season as a rookie, like we're fucked. <laughs> Watch out! Watch <laughs> out! Here comes right. Connor Bedesi. <laughs> All right. Um. Do you have anything else you would like to discuss? Uh, I don't have anything pertinent. Um, I just wanted to, I'm excited, man. Uh, there is a preseason game on and I just, I feel my, uh, my, my, my entire body just start to itch and I just, I'm I'm getting so excited for the hockey season. Leafs play the Senators today at two o'clock. It's airing on Sportsnet and I I can't wait to watch some hockey. All right. Lovely. Yeah. The has preseason. So we have our uh, red white game is tonight. Uh, and then tomorrow yep. our preseason kicks off uh, against the New Jersey devils. Um, okay. Uh, oh, I have one just last quick little thing. 
Uh, so Paul Byron retired, uh, obviously with injuries and everything. Um, so yeah, first of all, fucking, he gets a standing O for the career, by the way. Not funny was that. I mean, so in his uh, in his like retirement uh, statement, <laughs> um, he, he like he just made this really nice point that you know he was like a junior B guy, who like all of a sudden was uh, an assistant captain for the Montreal Canadiens, and um, he's like the he's the, the perfect story. Like you know when you tell kids like, you know you don't have to be drafted in the first round to like make the NHL. Like you can work and you can play and you can get there by like hard work. Like he's you know the the story of that personified yeah, yeah exactly um you know i'm the the best waiver claim in nhl history i'm still gonna you know i'm gonna you know ride with that until someone else beats him because he was a phenomenal waiver claim for montreal uh dropped like three or four 40 or uh, 20 goal seasons which you just don't expect from a guy you know that you pick up on waivers uh you know assistant captain that goal against toronto is going to be fucking burned into my memory forever and ever and ever and ever Shorthanded, breakaway, on his knees, top chatter for the win. So good. Um, but yeah, just like uh, a, a phenomenal, phenomenal player, uh, a f- even more phenomenal uh, professional and person. Uh, and I'm super happy that uh, he was unemployed for a whole 45 seconds because he's, uh, I forget his exact title, but he's basically working in player development in Montreal, which is fucking sick. So yeah, uh, all the best in retirement. And thank you for everything, Paul Byron. And that's it for me. Uh, unless you got anything else, we can wrap this right up. All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 102 of the Bitter Rivals podcast, the first episode of the fourth season of hockey that we will be covering, which is crazy to think about. Thank you to 91N. Again, name change from TGEM to 91N. Go give them a follow on all their social media platforms. Uh, and thank you again for your support and assistance with the with this whole podcasting thing we are out we will see you next sunday for episode 103 one week closer to the national hockey league season thank you for listening today